Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Don Marshall. I am a big, fat, chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am a greasy fast food boy. I had Whoa. fast food oh breakfast my. for the first time in years on my way here, and I'm paying the price as we speak. Don, the- oh, no. <laughs> it's the hash browns, isn't it? Oh, my God. I haven't had those things in years, and my body is Don't you know you have to them. wring them out before you eat them? I forgot. Oh. <laughs> oh. God. I always serve Trevor's on little doilies. Yes. <laughs> and sponges. That are see-through after like one <laughs> minute of a hash brown on them. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm an author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. Uh, and today, um, no, I just had a protein bar. I know that sounds boring. And so, but isn't wasn't a birthday cake Shame. flavored one or something? No, it, me having a birthday cake flavor? Well, it's, it's vanilla. That's all about you. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, don't even like that flavor. Uh, I don't know, but I, I see it's, it. What what is it then? I always see the wrapper. It's blue. This is like chocolate chip oatmeal, which is the protein bar version of like something else. Huh. I like Trevor's <laughs> version better. I want a birthday cake. Actually, I just want birthday cake. Yeah. <laughs> if birthday cake actually <laughs> tasted like cake, I'd be fine. <laughs> so what is birthday cake flavor? It really? is some sort of it chemical. It tastes like con- frosting. <laughs> it is the chemical con- concoction that yeah. people associate. It tastes like chemical frosting. With a fake birthday cake. Yes. I'm Trevor Keys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a super chub. I'm a... Morning. I'm a little uh, crepe boy. I had these. Um, I got these little like packaged crepe things mm. that are apparently from France. Uh, Whoa. Um, they lie. They lie like a rug. <laughs> they're pretty nice. It's got a little. There's a. I have a straw. There's strawberry and then like chocolate hazelnut. They're nice. Some coffee. Nice. Um, gusta. Um, my name is Michael. I am a chaser. And this morning, I am I'm a coffee and toast boy. I was it was pretty pretty simple start today. Mostly because I was so tired that I didn't have the energy to make myself anything more exciting than that. But it was very good. Um, we have a very good show for you guys today. Um, welcome to episode seventy. And uh, I don't know. I feel like that should be some kind of milestone. I like the nice even numbers. 70. That's good. But I feel like it should be 75 as a milestone. That's like the. Yeah. Uh, that's the diamond yeah. show. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's so what everybody's kind of gift to send is diamond presents. Don't yes, forget. Everybody diamond send, presents. Yeah. send your diamonds to P.O. Box. We're no. going to get glass shards in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't eat them. Um, so got start, a mailbag. Today. Yeah, we have a. Uh, wait, which one's my. This one? Yay. Yeah. I'm learning the board. <laughs> Is it weird that when I hear an unzipping sound, like mailbag is not the thing that comes to mind? <laughs> oh, really, Don? I mean, a mailbag, <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> Don, shush. I'm sorry. Learn the proper Latin names. Um, so I'm going to read this one mostly because I haven't, I, I, know nothing haven't ab- <laughs> I know nothing about the thing, so I'll just be engaged in that I read it, and then I'll let <laughs> thank you guys. Um, we had a listener write in who says, hey, guys. I just finished watching RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 6, Episode 5. It was a fantastic episode, but there were some very clear conversations about being fat and even a casual mention of chub chaser sex. Woo! Representation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Especially in Untucked, Eureka and Ginger had a very open conversation about being the big girls and constantly feeling that they were being pitted against each other. It was wonderful to see the issues talked about on this kind of stage, particularly to an audience that may or may not uh, value fat lives. I'm sure you got lots of messages about it, but wanted to make sure you knew, and so maybe you could talk about it on the pod. Thanks, as always, for all you do. Love you guys so much. We love you, too. Yay, that's Thank right. You. Yay. Thank you for uh, I, I wrote back, because we got this on Instagram, and I wrote back to the listener informing them that none of us watch Drag Race. I was going to ask, is that true? It, I think it is true, yeah. yeah um, I watched watch. the season with Bianca Del Rio. 
Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. six years I've ago. I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. I don't want to say I've never seen it. And it is fun. Like, I don't watch it because I don't like it. I just don't watch it because I don't tend to watch much TV generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the first thing I would pick. However, I have definitely seen, especially I think in more recent years, mm-hmm. that they have been more inclusive of different body sizes. Um, so that's great. I kind of wish... I looked for a clip of this, but obviously it's recent, and so there, it doesn't. You can't find it unless mm-hmm. you're watching the actual episode. What do you got? I'm not sure what this means in in the letter. Uh, that the big girls tend to get pitted against each other on the show. Chubs get pitted each other against each other in life. Um, I think the problem. Well, okay, so let's start with. Obviously, we haven't seen the segment, and so maybe just everybody go check that out if it's something you're interested in. But I suspect they mean on the show. Mm-hmm. I think it's like oh, like you know. It's almost that sort of sense of like, oh, there can only be one big girl in the room. So who's who's it going to be? Mm. I mean, the show's a competition mm. anyway, so yeah. it's I don't think it's mean spirited. But I think there is that element of putting people in their own category and then saying, OK, you two yeah. duke it out. It's like having two larger people on the same show is insulting to the concept of tokenism. And we're only supposed to be token mm. presence mm-hmm. on any show, mm. you know. Well, you wouldn't want the show to turn into something about fat people, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I mean, one is enough, right, Don? Well, I mean, it's interesting because the, the show harps on self-acceptance. And if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anyone yeah, yeah, else? Not that much acceptance for Christ's yeah, sake. It's, yeah. I think, I, I don't know. I've, I've Because other listeners have written us about RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race, about topics like this. And I think specifically Eureka has come up. But um, I think that there's more than meets the eye. Again, we have we don't watch the show, mm-hmm. but I have heard... I have heard positive things when people talk to us about it. Well, not, yeah. and, not and this things. season of All Stars has a lot of uh, big queens. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where I was like, maybe like we can watch it or like I can watch it and we could do like mini sods or something. And then, I don't know, three episodes came out. Yeah. Um, and that ship kind of sailed. Um, well, I'm wondering if this, whatever the, the, the letter writer intended, I'm wondering if some of this does spill into the real world because there's in a lot of times for Chubbs, there's that issue of scarcity that there just aren't enough chasers to go around. Mm -hmm. And I will say that on the, on the side of chasers, there is that, you know, (laughs) ridiculous alpha dog thing of like, no, he's my Chubb. I pissed on him first. (laughs) (laughs) And why they keep coming at me with that strange expression on their face. <laughs> Dick first. Well, I mean, you know, I will be the first one to admit that I have absolutely, if there's a gorgeous fat man in the room, I have no problem taking sloppy seconds. <laughs> I, am, I have no oh, problem with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Crazing. <laughs> or maybe that's how you meant that. <laughs> oh, <God>. um. <laughs> but no, a lot of chasers are like, no, no, no. I saw him first. I saw him first. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Go get him first. I'll do something else. I mean, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let him up when you're done. <laughs> Well, uh, shall we move on to something uh, re- referencing now? Uh, f- spoiler warning, I think, because we're probably going to get into it. Anybody who hasn't seen Black Widow, um, yes. So uh, it was one of the first things we talked about. On, actually, I think it was the first yeah, thing we one. ever talked yeah. about yeah. on the show um, was David Harbour's sort of dad bod and the fat joke that's made about him in the early teaser trailer for Black Widow, um, where he's like squeezing into the suit, and then somebody's like, "You got fat," and. It, you know, we it sparked a whole discussion. Um, but now that the movie's actually out and we've all been able to see it, um, starting with the actual article um, on movieweb.com, the headline is David Harbour's Black Widow weight loss received mixed feelings from his wife, Lily Allen. Um, so let's start there. But I do want to eventually talk about the movie and how they handled it in the movie, too, because I thought that was, that was interesting. Well, can I just say for, for the very from the outset, I am just glad to say or hear that 
it's not one of these things where he lost weight, which is universally good for everyone in the universe. Right. <laughs> Thank God he lost the weight. <laughs> you mm. know, maybe he lost weight and people are, and people have an you know, opinion about that. That is not, Oh, thank God. Mm -hmm. It's, it, I will say when I read this, it was, I had, I had mixed feelings about it because of how David Harbour communicates about his yeah. weight. Yeah. That's it's a little problematic. But yeah, let's, <clears throat> let's actually, I have a quote here. Yeah. Uh, so he said, it's a true testament to my undeniable charisma when I say that my wife met me at 280 pounds with this beard and this hair, David Harbour explains. We went on a date at the Wazali Mosley? restaurant in London, and she really fell for me at my worst physically and hair-wise. Which I should hasten to say, I think he was being very facetious when he says the thing yeah. about his charisma. Like, he's a good-natured guy. I don't think he was being Oh, Oh, no, no, but that. what he's saying is, I looked like shit. Look yeah. how fat I was. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And, and she saw past... And my she, looks exactly too. where, and I would just, you know, I don't know about your, your Tumblr, but my Tumblr blew up during the stranger things uh, mm -hmm. epic, uh, because he was this, you know, fat dad bod guy. Mm -hmm. And so many guys were like, Oh my God, he is it. He is the thing. He is what I seek. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that that's, you know, quote, someone has to see past that is sort of funny to me. But you have to remember, li listen to the things that he's been told in the past about oh, his of body. Yeah. Morris, of course. And of as course. an actor, there's going to be that it's going to be a constant stream. So I, I, I can understand how it would be hard for him to uh, not anything just else. fight, mm -hmm. yeah. not just fight about his body constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. You know? And I mean, and this, by the way, is just him. They obviously didn't talk to her for this particular article. And so it is just his point of view. And I am curious how she would have put it. Like, well, I'm pretty sure that in a national or international news medium, she is not going to say, I liked him better fat. Right. <laughs> she is not going to say that. But what does she really think yeah, about we, it? Yeah, like, we, we just have our speculation. She went on that date. Um, however, that does, I think, spark the next, the, the next logical follow-up, which is, I guess there's a few parts to it because- so we've all seen Black Widow. Mm -hmm. Black Widow. Black Widow. I just right off the bat, I loved it. Yes, I don't know yeah. about you guys. I had a great time watching. I it. thought it was so much. It was fun. It was like mm -hmm. just as a side funny. note, it's the first IMAX movie I've seen since the pandemic. Oh, when the lights went down and the Marvel theme started playing, oh my goodness. I started misting up. Oh, yeah. I genuinely did. I, it was. I was so excited to see the movie. Yes, but it was like I'm tasting my old life again. Yeah, <laughs> this is a this is a little piece that's been missing for over a year. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really amazing. I got to see it um, twice, actually. I I will say in because there's the first scene, and mm -hmm. I, again, I don't think this gives anything away, but there's the first scene where uh, it's in the past and David Harbour's character is lean. Mm -hmm. And I was confused. <laughs> I was like, A, is that David Harbour? B, did they do something CGI? C, is, I think is that they, not David Harbour? I is think that they made him look younger. Double? They, they youngified him, and I, I don't think they did anything to his body, I don't think, but they definitely brought his, his cheeks in digitally. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet they did some uh, practical stuff with his body, just as far as like tight, you know, like a tight mm -hmm. undershirt to sort of hold in and shape it a little bit. It looks different. Like later yeah. in the movie, he's this really bulky guy, just generally, like lots yeah. of muscle, lots of fat. Like One clearly. of the first shots you see of him after, uh, after they reintroduce the character, mm -hmm. he's running towards the camera. Yeah, during oh, yeah. jailbreak, and you see his body moving mm -hmm. in a way you have never seen. That's going to become a, a Marvel gift, character. By the way. Move. That's a hundred percent going to become a chub yeah. taster gift. But it also was not. It was not comedic. Mm -hmm. No, no. no I think it would have been funny. super easy for them I, to lean into a comedy I loved of body. How they did it, yeah. like I because like Don's saying, like they didn't 
like the only for uh, let me just say I thought the movie was brilliantly directed. I can't remember mm -hmm. Kate Kate something. I wish I could remember her name, but the director was fucking phenomenal. Um, they didn't make a joke out of his body nope. at any point except when he's trying to squeeze into the suit. But they have made his but entire that's an character age joke, not it, a fat exactly. Joke. It's his obsession yeah. with his past. Yeah, because he's always talking about mm -hmm. how he used to be the Red Guardian and how mm -hmm. he would fight Captain America. He's obsessed with his own self-image about his role as a hero. I, I tend to be a little obsessive about like fat jokes, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. around clothing. And I did not feel- Well, it's the limus test that Trevor came up with, which is it does this joke still work if it's with a thin character? Yeah. And I think it totally, well, the joke of him yeah. not fitting in the suit doesn't, but the fact that he's trying to fit into the suit because he's obsessed with his past, his like faded glory, mm -hmm. that does. That not fitting into the suit is a metaphor for not fitting into his former life. Mm -hmm. it, sure, exactly. <laughs> I also want to talk about real quick, the, the scene we saw in the trailer way back when, mm -hmm. we mentioned it earlier, where uh, his former wife, quote unquote, turns to him over the table and goes like, you got fat, mm -hmm. right? In the context of the trailer, it seemed kind of insulting. It was a fat In joke. the context mm. of the movie, I don't totally think not. it was mm. uh -huh. at all. It was sort of like, oh, you got fat. But it's, you know? and like, she uh. immediately says, so this is what I mean about the directing. Because the mm -hmm. way that it's played, there's so many ways to shoot a line like that. A, if you're going for comedy or for a different result. Mm -hmm. And the way that they do it in the movie, first of all, that she follows it up immediately with, but still good. And she's got a smile on her face mm -hmm. and she's looking at him with, like adoration, adoration. Yeah, yeah, she's she's not laughing. Nobody at the table laughs or like cracks a smile. Like it's it's a it's a moment of affection where she's acknowledging that she did find him attractive, even though there it was in like it was a fake marriage. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't actually. Mm -hmm. And the way that it's done in the movie is that the camera is not it's not on him or her it's when she says family. the line. It's on the daughter who needs to know that this was a real family mm -hmm. watching her parents interact. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so this line is played off camera and then they pan across to the mom when she says the line, but still good. Mm -hmm. And it lands on that because that's the important part. Yep, It's brilliantly directed. And I, and I think it's also important to acknowledge that, yeah, people's bodies absolutely change as they get older. And most people are not thrilled with the changes that come with age. And this is a really great affirmation that of course your body changed and the way your body changed was you got fat. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And that follow up, but still good. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely. I feel like there are a thousand chasers out there that would just go hog wild for a fat Thor and red <laughs> guardian team. And movie. women. I mean, the, the fat oh, Thor sure. thing among women on my Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think there was a lot of cohesion. I think that's yeah. the only thing we can really identify mm -hmm. as something that's like they, the, the chemistry between the cast members in tandem with the writing, in tandem with the directing and the way everything was constructed, just really fun, really fun, engaging. I thought they handled the moment really well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big deal. Um, the scene that Don's talking about when they're breaking him out of prison, like he's like running in slow motion with this dramatic music, but it's not like if they wanted that to be funny, they would have lingered on the shot longer. Mm -hmm. But it's like a two second long shot. It's just there because it's a dramatic moment. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah. Yep. Well, I anyway, loved Black Widow. I mm -hmm. think we should move on though, because we got a whole show to do. Um so next up we have this article from WebMD. Yeah. Um, yes. Which which references my my favorite absurdity, the yeah. quote unquote obesity paradox. paradox. Yes, yes. Oh, exactly. It's yeah. back. We need uh I think we need a musical sting for <laughs> the obesity paradox. <laughs> 
<laughs> Finally, we have I something did it right. that he's yeah. for. Coming in October from Paramount. So for those of you unfamiliar with the obesity paradox, that is the that is the radical finding that some that uh, often that quote unquote obese people actually have better health outcomes in some situations. Yeah. And this is so absurd. How can that and, be? An alternate universe for the Damn. medical, mm. for the medical profession. So in this, that, specific, called a, that's, that it actually has a name and a syndrome. Yeah. This yep. specific instance is uh, obese men have better outcomes for advanced prostate cancer than non-obese men. Right. By about, what, it was a 10, roughly almost, 30%. No, no, almost 30%. Oh, 30%? Yeah. And we're talking about metastatic cancer, so the cancer has spread, has metastasized. Right. And mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, obese men did better almost 30% of the time. But here's the thing. I think it still has the same, like, as much as I want to embrace, like, the it's something of this, it still has the same problem to it. Oh, that absolutely. B, which is that, A, they didn't measure the men's BMI when they first were diagnosed. So they don't actually know if they were also you know, they're always fat. Yeah. yeah oh, like they don't point. know that. <laughs> so they just know it could be radical weight gain during prostate during cancer. Well, number of so yeah. they said the researchers stressed, stressed that no one is advising <laughs> men to pack on pounds as a defense against <laughs> prostate cancer. You know what this reminds me of? It would be as if, you know, imagine it's, it's well, maybe not a hundred years ago, but imagine there was, you know, new radical scientific studies says that some women are smarter than men. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and the and female the, paradox, the female, <laughs> the gender paradox. And, but scientists caution that men should not be getting gender reassignment surgeries to exactly. try to get more intelligent. You know, right. like, stop like, it. Just stop of course, it. Obviously. It's just this nonsense uh, bias mm. that every time something so every time something doesn't fit with the model that fat equals death, we have to title it, we have to disregard it as an outlier. Right. I think that's the main takeaway from this for me was not so much that, oh, like being fat might protect you. It's like, okay, but they don't know that either. Like they're, it's the same causality versus causation versus um, correlation. Like they mm. don't, they just don't know. Yeah. But for but, me, the takeaway was more that like, that this is even having to be news on its own. Like, oh my God this obesity paradox thing shows its head again. Like, yeah, but, can you believe it? But here's the difference, Michael, between the whole, because we've talked about the causality causation uh, um, uh, correlation thing. But what's really important here is if they had found that fat people did, did worse, they would have said, well, of course they're fat. Yes. But the fact that fat people did better, they are looking for every way to disprove that causation. Yes, that is, it's a very, because yes, that, that can't is stand. Yeah. It's a completely different viewpoint on exactly. the exact same Well, then it must be wrong. Issue, yeah. It reminds me of, uh, this, is, this is a point I've, I've mentioned before in, in my book and in my seminars, that, you know, um, my ex at one point wanted to do a, a psychological research study for his PhD program at Yale. And he ran into this roadblock from his advisor. He said, you can't do that study. And my, my ex said, well, why not? He said, well, look, imagine you were trying to do a study that brushing your teeth with green toothpaste turns your hair green. We already know the answer to that. It doesn't. And if your findings show that it does, you got it wrong. And if your findings show that it doesn't, we already knew that. So don't do the study. This is a scientist? This was the head of the PhD program of psychology at Yale. Wow. Fuck. That, we, you don't need to do that study because we already know the answer. It's crap. 
And again, if if your if your findings prove otherwise, we know your findings are wrong. I feel like that's almost <laughs> like a culture of higher education is like the if you're if you've been around longer, then I'm right and you're wrong. And but almost as that's a not, hazing ritual. But that's that's not unique to higher education. You could find that in steam fitters. You could yeah. find that in the steam fitters. Just if I've been around longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's why if you look at the history of scientific revolutions, most of the significant contributions come from either people outside the field or people who are new to the field. It is almost never people who have been in the field for 50 years. It's almost like once you've been in the, the longer you've been in a field, the more entrenched you become as part of the status quo. What a concept, you know, (laughs) once you are the status quo, you will defend your position. Well, and I feel like you also have more, uh, like more self image to lose. If you take a risk of some kind, like suddenly ego becomes a part like becomes a factor where it's like, Oh, if I stick my neck out for this crazy theory, then people are going to laugh at me or discredit me. There's that. But then there's just the belief in orthodoxy. Yeah. I mean, fat equals death. Easy. See, Mm -hmm. done. (laughs) We know that it's true. And if you don't find that, then you got it wrong. Exactly. We know that it's true. And if it's not, you're wrong. Well, you'll find a link to that on our website. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We do have something for fat watch. Yeah, Yeah, we do. Fatwatch 2021. It's happening again. It's happening. It's hit every week. <laughs> it's here. Um, so this is from the New York Post, but and I I feel like we've had a lot of really terrible things from the New York Post. Yeah, it's a it's bit of a wreck. to acknowledge that this is good, but it kind of has um like mom who's trying to understand you <laughs> energy. Because <laughs> well, it's good. There is some of the language in it. I was like, oh, that's. This is, it is the New York Post, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it is an article highlighting uh, plus size travelers speaking out about flying wall fat. Yes. Um, and they expand on other aspects of travel and vacations, but definitely starting with, the, you know, a lot of things that we've talked about as far as like seat size and other things like that. The first quote is, um, whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm traveling and I have to ask for a seatbelt extender or for an extra large hotel bathroom, I feel like I'm getting the un- the unwelcome mat. As opposed to, I think specifically talking about like vacations and maybe amenities that, you know, thin people with thin privilege would get as luxuries. Like, oh, have this thing, have this free bathroom, it's luxurious, have this whatever. Um, there's the opposite experience for a lot of people who are fat who have to basically either accept that they're not going to get those amenities mm-hmm. or like have to ask for other versions of those amenities that kind of get like tossed their way, like a seatbelt extender. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. an uncomfortable ask for a lot of people, probably for most people. And that just makes that first class ticket that you got feel kind of like it just mars the experience. Yeah. I have so many things to say about this. Um, let's start with the bathrobe. I mean, this is the reason that when we go to a hotel, I can fit in the bathrobe. Well, I mean, I'm kind of big for their bathrobe because I feel like the bathrobe is, is cut for some like tall statuesque woman. <laughs> and, and because it's a robe, I can still kind of wear it. But you know, this is why Trevor packs his own bathrobe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as the airline seat, this, this is very similar to the automobile thing I was referencing before, which is just be, for example, a lot of chubs will tell me, and I, I am in shock and disbelief at this, but they tell me it's so, that they can solve the seat width problem by upgrading to a higher class of service that like, oh no, I could never fit in coach, but I fit in business class or but I, or, but I fit in first class. And I'm like, if you say so, I don't see how two inches, which is literally the seat size difference. Mm-hmm. It is literally two, maybe three inches wider is suddenly solving all your problems, especially if you're hippie and you know, they're squeezing your, the, the tray table is in the side and, it, and, it's, oh, and yeah. it's hard That's and it's squeezing your, your thighs. Don, what do you say? I mean, I, I have traveled first class. I had no issue with the first class seat. 
Um, but it it's not just a little wider. It's also that there's more space between the seats. There is. So my shoulders aren't pressing up against people. I got to tell you, I do not find, I, first class and business class travel for me, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty wide at the top. My shoulders are pretty wide. I don't find any accommodation for width. And I still find myself, like the seat isn't tight for me, but it's not, it's not, I don't, I'm not experiencing spaciousness, which is what I would expect yeah. to experience mm -hmm. in first class. And it's still like, oh, what I do get for my money is I get acres of counter space. I don't need that. Why don't you just give me a bigger friggin' seat? It's yeah. so dumb. And I really don't understand that 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 uh, mindset of we're going to give you enough space to hold a, a five person conference, <laughs> but you know we're going to still give you this tiny little chair. Right. Yeah. One of the worst experiences. I don't think I talked about this on our travel episode. One of the worst experiences I ever had traveling. Uh, someone had suggested I sit in the uh, emergency row, oh. right? but without mentioning the fact that the seats on the emergency row um, were enclosed seats, yeah. meaning there was nowhere for your, like your butt couldn't spread out. The arms right? are, are hard plastic and, and they solid. do not lift. Yeah. yeah it's like a wall. And it was, that's the first time I've actually traveled where my, my, my waist was in agony. I was mm -hmm. in physical agony in that seat. I asked, uh, and you do if you knew me, you would know how much pain was necessary for me to do this. <laughs> I leaned over to the aisle and asked a stranger woman if she would trade seats with me. Mm. And she said, no. Oh, wow. right? fuck her. Um, and then halfway through this flight, I think she saw the expression of agony on my face. And then she asked me if I would trade with her. Oh my God. I was like that little moment of kindness mm -hmm. saved my life, but damn you. I wish you'd done it from the start, you know? Um, yeah, the, Airplane seats are not, they always talk about it in all these articles, like a minor inconvenience. <laughs> it is not a minor inconvenience. It, it is, is the most important feature of the entire trip for you. Well, mm -hmm. and it is three weeks of stress before the flight mm, at least. coming back, uh, you know, as I'm getting ready for it. It's an extra stressor on me during the entire vacation because I'm thinking about the flight back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not a minor inconvenience. Yeah. Well, and the whole mentality of fat oppression is even though, you know, 46% of our customers don't fit in these seats. It's really their fault for having the wrong body mm -hmm. <laughs> because we are not putting more, we're not putting fewer seats in our planes to accommodate half of our customers. But I love that we're on the cutting edge and we beat the New York post to this juicy scoop. Yeah, exactly. And they do <laughs> mention the Southwest airlines. I was just gonna say. Um, it's not. So yeah, like you, I think we've said it before, but it bears repeating. Like you can book yourself two seats through their specific process, you have to put in a middle name that like tells yeah, their XS. system XS. Or, or you can just show up fat at the or, airport. Or you can show up in the airport and get a free seat for free. If, if they haven't oversold the flight. No, 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 not be, at all. So always, every single time. They, so if you show, you didn't book a second seat, you show up, I need a second seat. They will treat the flight as oversold, which it could already be. Of oversold, course it's oversold. It's yeah. Southwest. It's always <laughs> oversold. It's always yeah. oversold. But so they'll, they'll just account for that when they're asking for people to move to a later flight. Yes. Yes. Um, but <laughs> moving on ah. to our main subject. So this, I think was initially suggested by a listener. Yes. This was uh, Judd, right? Uh, I, or was this somebody else? I, this is somebody else. Um, who, who wanted to know, our takes on the difference. Basically, we're talking about how to interact with people at an event. Uh, if there's interest, if there's no interest, how do you reject people? How do you hit on somebody? That How do you make that interaction? And I think a lot of our advice was very sort of direct and sort of like, this is what is helpful. But the uh, perspective was, 
that doesn't necessarily work the same for somebody who's an introvert, who doesn't mm. interact with people generally. And it got me thinking that would be an interesting topic to talk about, not only just events, but dating in general. Mm -hmm. If you're an extrovert versus you're an introvert, if mm -hmm. you believe in such things. Um, yeah. <laughs> Trevor sent this. So in our breakdown, it was, oh, yeah. I, it was just this like, oh, okay, that. we're just going to talk about <laughs> extrovert versus introvert. But then in the, in the breakdown, Trevor, um, he sent this, the text of the link was extroverts be well, like, oh, come on, fucking ads. This is not This is not it. It was this but uh, how emo's pink windmill kids. <laughs> uh, can't stop the music. You can just imagine their expressions. Uh, these yeah. kids are like hyped up on crystal meth. They're on meth. coke. And they like, have to be on Well, no, but they're, they're, they're in a dance routine. They're like, hi, yeah. this is me. Yeah, I'm, but it's, hi, I mean, you should want to meet me. I've seen that musical theater face and they take it to a whole new <laughs> level. <laughs> but you know, I should say that this is, you know, for those of us who are extroverts, this is exactly how we are at events. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we can't figure out why you're running. <laughs> um, so... I think we're going to get to, I mean, this probably has to come up in the discussion, but the idea of how do we, like, who in the room identifies as an introvert? Let's start with that. I, I do. I think I do, but I'm closer to the middle of that spectrum. Well, let's, let's, let's add the disclaimer real quick. There's no such thing as yeah. introvert or extrovert. Everybody's on a spectrum. And these are made up yeah. categories, right? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And we tend to move around on that spectrum over the course of a lifetime. So. Mm. And, and in a particular situation. Yeah. So it's the better question is, what do you feel like today? Yeah. <laughs> Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Well, and today? I had a hard time, like like I said, I've never been soaked in this uh, uh, model, maybe because I'm an extrovert and therefore have a certain amount of, I'm going to call it extrovert privilege. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you never hear extroverts saying like, it's so hard to be an extrovert, you know, <laughs> but I see a lot of stuff on Tumblr or wherever, but like, you know, introverts and like, well, it's, it's all about I think during the business. quarantine, you got a lot of that. Well, but yeah. he, what, what, um, how, how so, I see it, go ahead. So Dan and I have identified ourselves as extroverts. Uh, Michael's on the fence. Trevor, we kind of cut you off there. You were the first one to identify, self-identify yeah. as feeling like well, an okay. So to, uh, Go with made up categories. So I'm an introvert, but I'm also a Gemini. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, uh, so I feel like by the hour. <laughs> one extreme or the other. And I would say like you were talking about like over a lifetime. So I would say that when I am first meeting people, I am an introvert. Mm -hmm. But when I am comfortable with them, I go to like extreme extrovert. Um, I like the distinction that because I think I think it's yeah, like Don's saying, like it's it's too much of a blanket statement to look at introvert extrovert as enjoying interaction with people versus not. Like, I don't think that's, mm -hmm. I don't think that's applicable at all. I think it's more the idea that if you're interacting with somebody and let's say in both cases, you're enjoying the conversation, typically introverts will say that by the end of that conversation, they're exhausted. Even if they yes. had a fantastic time, even mm -hmm. if it was a brilliant, even if they loved hanging out with this person by the end of it, they're like, Oh my God, I need to go off by myself and recharge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas I would say like, great. Now what do we do? More, more, yeah. more. <laughs> right. How do we keep this going? And I think, I think that interaction is, I think that is something you can distinguish people yes. from. Cause like mm -hmm. I'm, I love social interaction. I love hanging with my friends. I do a lot of things to try and keep that going, but Afterwards, I am fucking exhausted. Mm -hmm. After we do the podcast, I'm exhausted. After we do Space Thieves D&D, &D, mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. And I had a great time, but then I just need to not be around people. 
Yeah. And and for me as an extrovert, or at least that when that label is applied, uh, yeah, I I do get energy from from mm-hmm. groups. And if we if I'm in a social situation, I can stop doing that and then go teach a class. Like, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what? then like, if I have a call for work, I'll be on the call and afterwards I'm just like wiped out mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to go back to work. I'll say even Dan, like I must feel like the more, the more socialization you have, the more you want. Whereas like, <laughs> we'll be out and then you'll be like, okay, what are we doing now? And I'll be like, I want to go home, please. <laughs> I, I talked, I talked to two people and now I, my battery's <laughs> low. Yeah. <laughs> So if we apply this to, I mean, yes, we can do the event side. I think we, maybe we should start with that, but then we can broaden out to dating because um, I think we've talked about events quite a bit in the last few weeks. But if you're at an event and you're an introvert or you identify that way, if you feel like you, maybe you like social interaction, but you're exhausted afterwards, or maybe you don't like social interaction with strangers, which I fall into that category. Mm-hmm. I don't mind meeting people, but it's <clears throat> it takes so much effort and energy and mental focus to meet a stranger and you're in your head and you're like, am I saying the wrong thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I standing in a weird way? Am I breathing right? Like it's, it's just so many things that are running through your head. I'm sure it presents differently for different people. But in my case, um, like if, if for instance, let's take a, a situation that's likely to come up at Big Bayou. Michael and I go down to the pool and it's that to me, that concept of like, let's go down to the pool is fucking terrifying. Not because I'm like, oh, I, you know, don't like sitting in the sun, which I don't like sitting in the sun, or, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't like being in a pool atmosphere, which I don't really like that either. It's very specifically because now I am opening myself up to anybody else's Mm. idea of what an interaction should be. And, and, And having to be like on watch for all of that stuff. And like, I don't know, it just, it sounds extremely stressful. I still wanna do it, Cause I feel like I will have a good time, mm-hmm. but like the idea of like sitting down there and like, okay, what's going to happen. And maybe nothing, like maybe you'll just what, sit there and it'll just be nice. What's so incredible for me is that I've spent so many years oblivious to that point of view where it's like, well, you know, the great part about going down to the pool, Michael, is you get to talk to people <laughs> because I'm kind of with you on the other stuff. Like I got to get wet. It's going to be cold when I get in. It's going to be cold when I get out. I got to bring a towel. I got to dust, dust this. Blah, 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 blah. But I get to talk to people. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> Which is why the hospitality suite at an event or a cocktail party is exciting for me. It's fun for me. I love meeting people because mm-hmm. you get to discover things. People you've known for 20 years, you don't so much discover things. True. Yeah. See, when I, so what, what Michael was talking about with going to the pool. So I totally relate to that. And I find it fun, but then I'm like, okay, I am depleted, low battery, like my little red light is blinking. (laughs) And what I find draining about that is like strategizing, leaving, because there's been times, especially at like bigger Vegas, we're just leaving the pool Mm. takes like a half an hour. Yeah. Half an hour (laughs) or even like 45 minutes because you just keep seeing people and they want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And you're just, as you're like trying to get back to your room, you keep running into people. Like leapfrogging. Well, this is is also, this is also deepened by the fact that we've been going to these events for quite a while. So we do know a lot of people and it's not like strangers are coming up and stopping him, but Mm -hmm. like people we know. Some, but strangers too. Strangers too. Well, you know, cause you're hot, baby. You're just just like, The, the extraction process can even be exhausting. <laughs> Which is why we rent a helicopter and extract it. Yes. So the, <laughs> the thing that kind of stresses me out in looking forward about like all of this stuff and is that when I get, like when, when, I, when my little red light goes off and the, mm. and the battery is low, um, 
my ability to be my mood drops mm. and I actually get, I'm like, I get short with people. I'm mm. less patient. I'm, I probably come across as like, I want to be anywhere else but here, which is kind of true. And it's not personal. It's just, I like, for instance, um, Don, Trevor, I think you guys have, you guys both know Karen. I think Don, Dan, you've met Karen before. I've met Karen, I think. Really good friend of mine. Um, she's in the gaming group. We do all kinds of things together. She listens to the podcast. She probably mm-hmm. hear this. Hello, Karen. Um, so we had we worked together also, and she came over to pick up a hard drive, and it was on this weekend where I was so busy with a thousand things. I didn't get enough sleep. There was a bunch of stuff going on, and uh, the pickup of the hard drive was right between two events that I was running from one to the other, and so it was this moment of like, I, I, this is not a welcome social interaction. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with Karen. It was mm-hmm. like, I love Karen. She's amazing. She's one of my best friends. But in this moment, I, I do not want to see anyone at all. I, I don't have the energy to manage this. And so I probably came across <laughs> like I was kind of like mad about something or short or, mm-hmm. or like, it, it, that's probably how it comes across. And it's not personal. And that's the stress of going into a situation like this where I'm aware of that and I'm aware of how that comes across to people. And I don't have a lot of control over that except to try and just leave and go <laughs> recharge or take a nap or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to uh, frighten Michael with this, but so in my many, you know, we've been going to these events for years. So something that I'm mindful now of at events is um, I was at an event I guess someone tried to say hi to me at some point and I did not hear them. I did not see them. And then they were, I interacted with them later and I was very friendly with them and they were like, Oh my God, you know, I thought you were such a bitch because I said hi to you before and you ignored me, but like, you're actually really nice. Um, (laughs) I, I had the more serious version of that where I was looking across the room at this guy. He was like staring at me and I'm like, I like, and I'm, I'm bad visually with faces anyway. And we were like 50 feet across a room. Mm -hmm. And so I looked and then somebody else said something. I looked away and then forever after he was like, Oh no, you dissed me. You completely dissed me that event. You pretended you didn't know me. I'm like, um, okay, sorry. I guess we're done. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Did I interrupt your story? No. Okay. Yeah. Don, where are you falling in all of this? Well, because I, I, again, you, you, even if you are an extrovert, I, I usually in the room, I'm the most extrovert, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. I, I consider myself to be, it's, it's, there's a caveat on me. I think I, I'm a receptive extrovert, uh-huh. right? Where if I feel welcome, if I feel like someone's open to contact and conversation, I'm totally into it. But I also don't feel the need to sort of force someone or drag someone into an interaction. Um so I shouldn't use the handcuffs and the and the stair railing. Yeah, that's usually a bad idea until they <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, well, yes, I mean, I don't you know. know. Any, I don't. I don't think I do that. <laughs> Second interaction. I, I know a lot of extroverts who do. Right? What, like, tell me more like, about it. It's that. like a cat with the allergic, right? It's like I, I feel like talking. You're not talking to anyone. You're pinned up against the wall trying to avoid eye contact. I think you need interaction. That's what you're missing, and they go for them. I see that a lot. Well, at an oh, event, no. I think what's going on is they think you're hot. But I mean, if that's I'm talking day to day life. But if you're talking day to day life, it may you know? not be that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I've I've been the the victim of that before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where it's the well-meaning extrovert thinking mm-hmm. that you want to be included, but you just don't know how. <laughs> so I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to come at you, and I'm going to talk at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I mean, if someone wants to, usually, if I sense that someone's trying to shut that down, I like I can hear that. 
That's very obvious. Not all extroverts have that no, sort no, of I, you're, empathy. You're right. You know? You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking in sort of a generalized way here. Well, I just think um, it's a human thing. Like, hmm, I think I'm bothering this person. Maybe I should stop bothering them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's just a human thing, introvert or extrovert. Yeah. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how often a well-meaning intention can steamroll basic observations. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, you know? You're right. You're right. So, as far as because I think the real question about this was how do you handle an interaction, positive or negative. Uh, like how do, how do you just manage that as an introvert? I think that was the main part of that question was, you know, if for instance, somebody's talking to you and you know, you, you want out of that conversation uh, as an introvert or somebody who isn't, has a very hard time dealing with anxiety that prevents you from being direct with people. Cause I think that was more where this was coming from, which mm-hmm. I don't think is intrinsic to being an introvert, by the way, no. I don't think mm-hmm. that's necessarily the same, although it's probably quite common. Um, I, I don't know that I have a lot of advice for this, except that I really pick my moments of when, like I find that planning and preparing myself for when a thing is going to happen, like, okay, I'm only going to go down to the pool when I'm feeling really good and mm-hmm. I know that I have lots of energy and I know that I can, like preparing myself for what's ahead so that if a conversation comes up with somebody and I feel like you know, I just want to be at my best. Well, I think you've said this so many times on the podcast, Michael, don't should yourself. Like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of what people deal with is not that they want to go down to the pool, but that they should go down to the pool mm. yeah. or they should go to the hospitality suite or they should be being more so- social. Mm-hmm. And if you force yourself, that's just never going to go well. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're not going to have this epiphany in the middle of shooting yourself like, oh, now I'm having fun. Mm, something's going to happen in between there. And there's only, you can't, control what other people do or say or how they interact with you all you can control is how you do it and that's part of like preparing yourself for going into a situation is just like okay i'm going to set myself up the best that i can and and the rest is just however it goes i can't control what other people are going to do what what Mm -hmm. i'd like to know as an extrovert is how do you want me to disengage because i'm perfectly fine i think i may have even said like you know, if I'm bothering you, I don't have to, like, we don't have to have this conversation. I can go get a drink. Yeah. Is that okay? That's like a good way, conversation. Now, now that's, that to me seems like they could interpret that as being snotty or being snide. Well, if you don't want to talk to me, then I mean, like, I don't mean it that way, mm. but <clears throat> sometimes people- I have been on the tail end of that where I have offered to someone who I got the sense, like, they weren't wanting to talk at the moment. Mm-hmm. I saw, like, do you want me to back off? Like, like, yeah. And they were mortally offended. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cut off all communication with me. So how do you want decided me to Decided I was a it? snotty yeah. person that was judging well, them. Bingo. And I think the other, the other way that that goes bad is also, and again, I think this is a distinction between people with social anxiety and introvert. Like those are not yeah. intrinsically the yes. same. But if we're talking about social anxiety, the likelihood that somebody's going to accept that offer, even mm-hmm. if they want to, is basically zero. That's yeah. Because point. that would be that would be an uncomfortable situation too. Exactly. So I don't know how to language it to give them a defensible out. I think, I think, and this is not your way because you're just a very direct person yeah. that just wants to be upfront with That's people. That's why I'm asking. Which is, mm-hmm. I try to be that too. But I think if you're sensing that from somebody, it could just be as easy as like, oh my God, I've been having a great time talking to you, but I've got to go do a thing. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just a basic excuse. And, and it, it sucks to have to assume that that's where somebody wants to go. Well, but yeah, what I don't like about that and why I don't do it is that I've taken the choice away from them. I yeah. made an assessment and I hope I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, by the way, I don't think there is. There's no good. I don't think is. there is any good answer <laughs> okay. here. Like it it's really comes down to how you read the situation. Like if you feel like 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there is any great answer. I think the, I mean, there, I don't think there's a solution for the extrovert. I think as in, like as an introvert, as someone who is very introverted, and I can really understand where this listener was kind of coming from. It's just, I think a lot of exposure therapy and um, like in terms of like events and stuff, just going and like figuring out how to take care of yourself. And like in terms of disengaging, just like also listening for what you need. Cause like, especially with like bigger Vegas, the pool, the, you know, desert heat, like to disengage all usually like, Oh, you know, like this has been great, but like, I really need to get a drink. It's so hot. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Something I would follow up with on that is not, I mean, one way to say it is give yourself permission to leave. Yeah. Like leave, leave the room, leave the, mm-hmm. like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Even if you've spent five minutes there, it's okay to leave. You're, you're, you mm-hmm. know, just, it's better that than spend another half hour and then hate it and never go back. And the other thing is you, you don't have to think of it as leaving. You could think of it as just changing the channel. You're going to go to a different room. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to a different venue. You're going to do a different thing. You're just changing yeah. the channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of eliminates the FOMO yeah. feeling of like, oh my God, but I paid to be here. And so I got to do everything. Yeah. No, yeah. you paid to have a good time. I, I think one of the most amazing things I ever heard in one of my seminars is this chaser who this, by the time he showed up to my, my seminar, it was his third event. The first event, he never left his room. He was so terrified. Oh, you mentioned that. The second year he went to the event, he hid behind plants and, you know, (laughs) like in the lobby and, you know, and so finally this is his third time coming and like, he actually sat in a chair in my seminar. Wow. You know, so he was interacting with people, but I think that maybe goes with what Trevor was saying about exposure therapy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he didn't quit, you know, cause he knew he wanted to have this new experience. environments are scary. Yeah. They can't yeah. understandable. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully we may come back to that. Hopefully, yeah. um, there's something in there. It's a big I, I topic. Just, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, mm-hmm. Set yourself up as best you can. I think that's my last piece of advice would just be like, learn the things that make you feel good on your own and then do as many of those things as you can to just set yourself up. In, in any given situation. Um, for me, like I don't have, I just get kind of like bubbly and silly if I have a drink or two mm-hmm. and I'm fine with that and it helps me unwind. I know that's not everybody's solution and I don't have any amount of like, you know, dependency. Like I'll forget to drink sometimes if I'm at an event where everybody's drinking, I'll be like, oh, I'm having a good time and it doesn't matter. But if I do, I tend to relax a lot. So I know that and I can kind of manage that maybe not so much in the desert heat yeah. <laughs> of bigger <laughs> Vegas. Um, well, the, uh, the other thing you see on that is you see people with tankards of alcohol mm-hmm. yeah, because that's how they, that's how they yeah. know how to show up. And that's tough. It's like, you don't want to create that dependency if right. there's an issue yeah. there, but you know, there are other tactics that you can use to try and just make it easy for yourself. Yes. Do we have a tip for the day? We do. We do. Yeah. So maybe uh, for your exposure therapy for, Bigger Vegas part of that will be getting some um, literal exposure. Yeah, literal exposure. <laughs> um, so I found this website. Um, I first found the the designer of these products on Instagram. It's called Cut to Me, and it is all sorts of spandexy um, stuff from like bikini bottoms to jock straps to singlets mm-hmm. to. Um, Tear away jock straps, which you know, <laughs> go off. I, I feel like that's like why exploding jock straps. <laughs> yeah, um, there's one the one of the ones on their site. What is it called? It's a, a lifter thong, yes, it I, lifts and projects. Which initially I thought it said protects, and I was like, How does that protect? No, nope, no, nope, projects, yes. <laughs> it um, points your junk outwards, but it, they go up to 8XL, yay, yeah. Um, which I mean, I don't want to speak for the it's, I think, like one or you know, it's. 
think maybe just one guy. Uh, so it takes a little longer. It says um, all styles are made to order and may take between 14 and 21 days to ship. Um, but I think because it is made to order, if you need bigger than 8XL, I would reach out because they are very dedicated to making sure uh, all, all of the products are accessible to all sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, I don't want to speak for the guy, but like, I don't think it would hurt to reach out. Yeah, investigate. Um, uh, and there's a lot of fun stuff. I'm just trying to picture what it means to project out. Is like, is that oh. Pinocchio groin? No. Oh, oh like, yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. Here. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, these. What I should say is that, that if you if you ever went to you know a Hawkeye underwear store, that's what most of the underwear is designed to do. It is it, the way the the way the seam is 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 made. It is designed to sort of heft things up and I think forward. It's it leveraging your balls to be a platform for your for your dick to rest. Well, on. think of it as think of it as a hammock. <laughs> think, I mean, it's, didn't you call it a banana hammock at one point? Yeah, yeah that's what it, that's, how that's how it's sewn. That's how it's sewn. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> All right, we have to be quick for our bit today. Yes. All right. Um, so, I was we are going to do Myers Briggs personality tests. Uh, we're not going to do the full test. We're going to talk about uh, what we each of us think we are and what we each think the others are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would we don't have time to get in the history of it, but. Uh, disclaimer, the Myers-Briggs personality test is bullshit. It is not scientific, (laughs) should not be scientific. The fact that they use it for employment interviews and psychological tests is ridiculous. Um, But so what I wanted to do is go around and we'll discuss each of us real quick. And we wrote down answers, if you want to, before the show. Before the show. Before we talked about the whole introductory thing. So I think that's going to be telling. So uh, let's discuss Michael first, shall we? So... Um, I've revealed so much. What we're going to do is each of us are going to discuss uh, uh, what we saw see uh, Michael is in each of these categories. Uh, there are four categories each. So the first one is extrovert versus introvert. Do I get to give you like a dinger, like if you got it right or wrong? Like uh, well, we're going to say what we think, and then you're going to tell us what you think okay. you are. Okay, okay. Um, so E or I is the first one, in extrovert or introvert. Uh, so I said extrovert. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I said introvert. I think we were answering these, you know, comparing them to, our, to ourselves. <laughs> I, I think extrovert too. Because uh, that's that's sort of the format I know Michael from. Is usually he's the one who is mm-hmm. gathering groups, organizing people, mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. sort of oh, thing. When I said introvert, because you talk about recharging after being with people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're both right. I think this is. So I said introvert um, for all the reasons I stated earlier, but I do fall close to the middle of the category. Like I don't yeah. get as much social anxiety, like Don knows me in organizing game groups with people I already am friends with. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, like, I love doing that. It's a very easy thing for me to do. Um, but right. I still so got have an to recharge eye for after. Michael. Michael's an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is intuitive versus sensors. N for intuitive S for sensors. Intuitives tend to uh, focus on possibilities in the big picture. Uh, sensors are more sort of realistic, grounded, focusing on facts kind of people. Hmm. Um, so for Michael, I put sensor. I think he's sort of more of a, uh, a planner, logical, like he needs to know what he's walking into when he walks into things. Hmm. Okay. Um, I said intuitive just because filmmaking, big picture, what if, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think these kind of go hand in hand cause you, you, you can't be successfully intuitive without a whole bunch of like practic- <laughs> practical <laughs> things in place. <laughs> so I said intuitive kind of for the same reason as Dan, cause director, I mean, Space thieves. I feel like there's a lot of. I think I'm I'm split right down the middle. I would agree. I, don't, I would I, agree. I yeah. put down intuitive because I 
I do find it an absolute necessity to think about the big picture. Like that is an intrinsic to who I am, probably more so than, than planning out the details, but I do both. Yeah. I can't not do both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next is T versus F thinker versus feeler. Uh, I I said feeler for Michael. Thinkers thinkers are thinking, feelers are feelers. Yeah, I suspect you probably all put the same answer. I put feeler. Feeler. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And the last category is judger versus perceiver, J versus P. Judgers uh, tend to be organized and prepared, like to stick to plans. Perceivers prefer to keep their options open and be able to act spontaneously. Um, So I labeled labeled you a judger. (gasps) Judgy. Judgy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said perceiver just because I, I I think you value your spontaneity. You talked about uh, all the times, you know, getting together with your family. Like, can we just leave the plans open? Can we just do what we do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said perceiver because of the family thing, but I think also just because I feel like you were very often thrown into situations where you have to be a <laughs> perceiver. where it's just like everything's gone sideways and like, okay, let's, let's just roll with this. <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely a bit of both. I put judger because I'm always tr- like kind of the opposite of what mm. Trevor just said. I'm always trying to plan things yeah. <laughs> and then it doesn't necessarily happen, <laughs> but I'm like the things that I do for myself, I try and plan them out to the T and if any of you know me at all, I get really, really stressed out if I'm late for something. Mm. I hate being late for things. So, so Michael, what is your code? Tell um, me, tell me the combo. INFJ. INFJ. You are the counselor. Oh, huh. uh, work is to insp- work is to inspire others uh, to achieve great things. It's very much like a fortune cookie description. Sure, yeah. like, and nobody's yeah. going to say that. That's not me. Exactly. <laughs> well, I believe that's also um, like doctors, teachers, like people who. Ideally. Like from because I, I I'm familiar with this test. Um, yeah, I mean, just every combo has been given sort of an arbitrary label. Yeah, the ENFJ is the teacher, the INFP is the healer, blah blah blah. Hmm. So mm-hmm. INFJ because I've done this test several times. I've done it it's over several years, and I always get <gasps> INFJ. Oh, really? That's what I predict exactly for you. Oh, I said Trevor is INFP. I said INFP. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> Inner nuances foster journeys. Um, what about Dan? Uh, I'm straight across the board. E N T J. I said E S T J, but otherwise, yeah. But those are the two that you were like. They're yeah, the same. They're like, the same. They, yeah. yeah. Uh, your E N T J says me, but I mean the. I agree with Michael. The N and the S are. You are the field marshal, <laughs> <laughs> and Trevor's the healer. And Don, I had ESTP for Don. I put ENTP myself. Okay. But I um, feel like the N and the S are yeah. Intri- they're, yeah, they're sort of intrinsically yeah. related. You can't, which, which makes me the inventor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So once again, this is about as reliable as horoscope. No, it's horoscopes are probably more reliable because <laughs> they are actually more open-ended. Uh, are you, which, what's your Myers-Briggs category? I don't know, but I'm an Aries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So if you are curious what Myers-Briggs personality type you are, there are plenty of resources online to take the test yourself and mm-hmm. find out. But take it again an hour later, you'll be something else. Also, you might take it as an opportunity to look into different personality tests or working workability tests, uh, some of which are f- far more useful uh, than others. Mm-hmm. Tell us your favorite personality test. Where can you do that, Trevor? I'll tell you, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. 
Leave us five stars on Apple Podcast. Write us reviews. I want more reviews. Yes. Uh, also, the other one, uh, the other cast. Uh, Podchaser. Podchaser. Chaser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for this week. <laughs> Maybe you're, um, you're watching Black Widow at a movie theater. Mm. And then someone there's someone smoking a cigar in front of you and <gasps> laughing. They're laughing at the movie and no. it's, it's disrupting your experience. And you've had enough because you're with your family. Um, so you tap on their shoulder and it's Michael. And ah. he, he's, he just, and you're terrified because why is Michael there? <laughs> and he just takes this big fat cigar out of his mouth and blows smoke in Trevor. your face. And he says, Watch out. <laughs> I feel a lot of coughing too. What image are you trying to paint of me? It's like you described Michael to a teen. <laughs> I've been thinking about Cape Fear a lot lately. <laughs> Hose, all of you. <laughs>